Welcome to Chase Oaks. Uh, we are so glad you're here, whether you are watching at a Chase Oaks Anywhere or at one of our DFW locations or in San Antonio, which is so awesome. We are so glad that you've joined us this weekend and given us just a little bit of uh, your, your weekend. You might be watching college football or, or something, something, something else massive might be happening in your life this weekend. But I'm glad that you carved out a little bit of space uh, for Chase Oaks. We are beginning a brand new series called... Game changer. It's called game changer. I don't know if you've ever had something in your life that was indeed a game changer. Maybe it was a new job. You hated your job before and you got this new job and you're like, this is a game changer. Or maybe uh, your spouse got a new recipe and they started fixing this new food and you were like, this is a, a game changer. Or maybe it was like a new medicine that like helps you with some sort of ailment and it was a a game changer. Maybe you just got a new phone and you had an old flip phone for forever and now you can send emails and you're like, this is a game changer. Maybe it was a specific app. I know the Robinhood app has transformed the, the stock market world for people that didn't know how to do investing. And so it's kind of a beginner's guide and it's, they're calling it a, a game changer. I remember the, uh, the app I got, it was an email app that allowed me to snooze emails. Can you imagine that? It was awesome. It meant that you could send me an email and then I could decide when I wanted to read it and get it because I, listen, I can't sleep if my inbox is full. So I snooze a lot of people like, Hey, all right, listen, I'm gonna get this email on Monday. It was a game changer. Maybe for you, it was um, a specific relationship and you started dating and that was a game changer. Then you got married and then it was like, now it's a game changer. And you thought like, yes, I got married. Then you had kids and you were like, I didn't even know the game could be changed this much, but now it's a game changer. And then I think we all would say that COVID-19 was a game changer for some good and some bad. And I think some of the good game changers that I experienced over the last two years is number one, DoorDash, game changer. Okay, I mean, you could just sit at the house and just explore all of these restaurants that'll tell you new restaurants and they just bring stuff to the house. The second game changer that I, that I learned from a pandemic, curbside pickup. Woo! Listen, Target curbside pickup is a game changer for my entire life. Here's why. If you go into Target, it is designed to make you buy things you do not need, okay? My wife would send me to the store to pick up some almond milk. I'd walk out with a suit. How did this happen? I don't know, okay? But somehow Target convinces me to buy stuff I absolutely don't need in the moment. But curbside pickup, hey, it's not even as tempting on the app. I'm not looking for suits on the Target app. I just get exactly what I need so it's a game changer for my bank account but the number one game changer that I have experienced over the last two years and ladies and gentlemen if you don't get anything else out of this message this next point is massive okay the game changing item that I picked up over the last two years is an air fryer if you don't have an air fryer, listen, that's the only thing you need to get from this message. Okay, you need to go wherever you want to get it and get yourself an air fryer. If you're wondering what gift you could get someone for Christmas, get an air fryer. It is amazing. I put everything into an air fryer. Veggies, chicken, waffles, pancakes. I think I put some oatmeal in my air fryer the other day because it is an absolute game changer. But there's no better game changer than the ones that you find in Scripture. 
It's these moments where you just read something and it just jumps off the pages and it just makes you live different. It makes you think different. It makes you see completely different because it's a game changer. And there's one that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks that has to do with stewardship of the things God has given us. And it comes from this text found in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, then he went away. Uh, for us to understand a talent, that we're not talking about a particular skill set. This was a measure of weight. It was a way that people would use currency. In modern day terminology, the parable that Jesus is giving right now, he would be saying uh, it would be like a manager to, he gave some of his employees to one, he gave a half a million dollars, another two and a half million dollars, and another five million dollars. And they were each given according to their ability. The reason why I love each according to their ability is because it actually frees each and every one of us up from comparing our abilities to other people. What it tells us is that what God has given us is what he thinks we can handle. I, I remember when, uh, you know, you kind of step into the, the beginning stages of education and you sort of walk into these lunchrooms and gymnasiums and you're trying to figure out exactly where you fit. And as a guy, you're kind of like, all right, where do I fit with the nerds or do I fit with the athletes and the jocks? And so you kind of sit with who you think you're going to fit in with. And at some point, they're both jealous of each other because the jocks are walking into a classroom and they're going, man, I wish I had what they had, but I don't. But then they go to research. And all of a sudden, all of the athletes are faster, stronger. Everybody go, man, I wish I had athletic genes like them. I wish I had their abilities. And then there's that one person that's both. They're smart and athletic, and they don't have any friends. Nobody likes hanging out with them. It's like, how are you so good at everything? But here's what God is showing us. He's going, hey, here's the deal. I'm, whatever you got is what I think you can handle. You were created with a very, very specific capacity. You might be a five-talent person, but a five, you might have five-talent capacity, but if God only gave you one talent, it wouldn't be enough. Or you might be a one-talent capacity type of person, and if he gave you five, you'd be overwhelmed. So you should never be jealous of somebody that has more than you do. What's the point of, of, of the beginning of this parable? It's all about stewardship. It's not about what comparing my abilities to your abilities or what you got to to what I got. It's going, hey, we have to steward whatever we've been given. So if you were born in the hood or born in the burbs, you have to steward your community and steward your neighborhood and love them well. If you're the intern or the CEO, you have to steward your job well. You might be single. You might be divorced. You might be married, but you have to steward your relationship status as best as you possibly can because it's the season God has given you right here, right now. And I think we all have to begin to look inwardly and look at our lives and begin to go, okay, Lord, in this season of life, what's my capacity? 
I don't have to compare my capacity to Jeff's. His is much larger than mine. I'm glad he's the senior pastor and not me. Oh, my gosh. He gets emails I never have to read. It's awesome, okay, because I would snooze most of them, okay? Like, like he's got skill sets that I never have to compare to, to my own and abilities. Each and every one of us has been given a capacity. Do you know why you're on the planet? Do you know why you were put here? What are you going to do with what God gave you? Some of us look at our situation and we're just going, man, I I had it hard and this is how I grew up and this is what was going on with my parents and this is what happened with my job and then this economy crash and and then layoffs and and you almost start to get mad at God about the, the, the deck of cards that you have been dealt And you kind of go, well, I would do more if you would just, it's going, hey, like, make the most of your season. Each according to his ability. Story goes on to say in verse 16, it says, he who had received the five talents at once went and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made Two talents more traded with them. This describes um, an ancient practice called money lending. Money lending is what would happen in the temple where a lot of people didn't have extra money to lend to people. So they would bring it all to the temple. And that's where people could actually get loans. And they could actually make uh, up to 10 to 15 to 20 percent on their investment by just giving it to the temple for essentially loans. And so that was a way of, of, of at least doubling of the money that you were given by somebody else. But verse 25, uh, verse 18 of chapter 25 says, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. People often buried money in a strong box to keep it safe. But even if they would have just taken it to the bank or even if he would have just taken it to uh, to the temple, he could have at least got some interest back. Because ultimately what this parable is telling us is that God is giving us something and expecting us to do something with it. And you know what you want to know what really breaks my heart? Is watching people that have so much potential do nothing with it. What breaks my heart is watching some of the smartest people I know make really dumb decisions. What breaks my heart is watching someone that has so much potential to to lead others, but they just decide to do nothing. They decide to stay silent. People that have a strong voice, but because they're afraid of criticism, they never get outside of the box. They never want to step outside of the boat. And perhaps they're living life and they're trying to make steps towards the American dream. And in the process, they're missing God's purpose for their life. It absolutely breaks my heart to see someone missing the mark going, do you know what God gave? you do you understand the capacity that he gave you and yet there are other people who are jealous of your capacity but you do nothing with it what are you going to do with what god gave you verse 19 says now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He actually rewards uh, both of these men in two ways. One, he says, hey, I'm going to actually make you a manager over more. Some of us might look at our capacity and we're upset with it. We look at our position in life and we just say, man, I I wish, doesn't doesn't God want me to handle more? Well, how, how, how do you get more? You do well with what you've been given. You, you, can't, you can't expect to get more capacity if you don't do well with what you have right now. There are people that I know that they are like, man, if, if God would just give me a million dollars, man, I tell you what, I would be such a great steward of it. God knows what you would do with a million dollars by what you do with a thousand and ten thousand and a hundred thousand. You, baby, you got a long ways to go before you get to a million. Do you know the discipline that's required? Do you know the taxes that are required for a million dollars? I mean, there's a lot that comes with it. And so if you don't pay your taxes on 100 G's, what do you think you're going to do with a million? It's a stewardship issue. So, so the first way that they get rewarded is he's going, hey, I, I saw what you did with what I gave you. So I'm going to give you more. But then the second thing that he says that is very key, we have to understand this line. He says, enter into the joy of your master. This is like saying, hey, um, everything that's mine is yours. So what I got, you got. So whatever the, the, the joy that I have of owning what I own, you, you can enter into that joy. Um, in the context of the scripture, um, most of these men were actually slaves. But these slaves could actually actually get status in the city just from managing well what their masters had given them. That there would be people that would be actually jealous of people who were technically in bondage. But yet somehow they were going, I'm making the most of my situation. And somehow that master would go, hey, you know what? Have a ball. Enter into the joy of your master. And... But then we get to the last guy, the last guy who was only given one talent. And, and, and it says he came forward. and He says, hey, master, I, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground here. You have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I Reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed, question mark. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be more given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away harsh statements tough pill to swallow and what breaks my heart even more is not just the man who hid what he had in the ground but before he knew it before he knew it he he didn't have the talent at all And I think that's what can happen to anybody. 
when they waste what has been given to them. Whether that's money, whether that's time, whether that's ability. That you can all find ourselves in a place where we just, we've wasted it. And then sometimes we'll have the nerve to look at somebody else's life and go, they, man, they must have it good. The only thing that we can control, ladies and gentlemen, is not what we've been given. <laughs> the only thing we can control is the stewardship of what we've been given. And so there's three things that I want us to walk away with from this parable as we kick off the series. The first thing is this. I want us to think of our resources through a God-sized filter. Because most of us think of our resources through a me-sized filter. How, how does it benefit me? I look at my schedule. I look at my skill sets. It's my money. It's my company. It's, it's, it's my relationships. It's my house. But just imagine if you just started to look at all of those things through a God-sized filter that says, okay, everything I have, what if... I could use it for kingdom purposes. It's a game changer for somebody. I think it's a game changer for all of us. If we really began to think of our life and our career and our stuff through a God-sized filter, even that degree on the wall, even that car in the garage that you worked so hard for, I mean, all of it, if you just said, you know what? All of it is, is, is finally going through a God-sized filter. It's not on me. Whatever it is that I have is for kingdom purposes. It's for me to make a difference. Whether you're a Christian or not, this is what I want each and every person to know this weekend. You were put on the planet to make a difference with what you have been given. And I believe each and every one of us someday will give an account for what we were given. The second takeaway from this parable that I think is imperative for us is, number two, I think we have to look for ways... To leverage our resources for God-sized opportunities. I think we have to look for ways to leverage our resources for God-sized opportunities. I think it's one thing to think of our resources differently, but I think it's another thing to actually look for opportunities. Because it's one thing to just say, you know what? It's all God's. Lord, it's, it's all yours. And it's pretty easy to say at church, too, by the way. It's all yours, Lord. Of course, it's all yours. It's, it's easy to sing songs like that. It's all yours, Lord. I surrender all. But as soon as we get home, we're like, this is my house. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, surrender all. I surrender most. Okay, maybe some. Like, like you have a percentage. But, it, but it, it's one thing to think that way, to say, Lord, this is all yours. It's another thing to go, I've got my head on a swivel and I'm looking for opportunities to make a difference. It's another thing to wake up, to be that kind of person that says, I have been put on the planet to make a difference. I walk through the grocery store a little bit different. I pray to God that I walk into a single mom. I hope somebody needs what God has given me. For some of us, it might be time. And we're going to cover that in, in a couple of weeks. For some of us, it, it might be a specific ability. But imagine what our lives would look like. Imagine the difference we would make in the world if we woke up every single day with our head on a swivel thinking, how can I make a God-sized difference in somebody else's life? I have been put on the planet to make a difference for God's kingdom. So my schedule, my resources, 
my skill sets, all of it. Lord, whatever it is that you have, you have given me, may I be someone that has production, multiplication, that whatever you've put in me, Lord, may there be an incredible return on your investment. I had a, a woman come to me um, last weekend, and she brought her uh, child to, uh, to the church. And she says, hey, this, um, he's, he's a really big fan of yours. He always just wanted to meet you. I said, hey, it's really great to meet you. And she, she said these words. She, goes, she says, he's got a mouth on him. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's, he's got a mouth on him, and, and he's been getting in trouble at school. But, man, this, this boy's got a mouth on him. I said, really? Like, what's he been saying? Don't say it at church if it's bad. You know, I'm like trying to figure out what's happening here. And I, and, and I, just, and I just looked at this mom, and I just had to encourage her. And I just said, hey, that can go good or bad. God put a mouth on him. So my prayer for him is that God would use his mouth. Capacity works both ways, ladies and gentlemen. So I think regardless of what it is that God has given you, you want to look for God-sized opportunities. You want to think of everything you have. Lord, I want to use this for you, whatever skill set I've been given. If, if you're a great accountant, if you're a great engineer, if you're a doctor, you just, you just wake up going, okay, all of the things that I have learned, everything that's inside of me, if I'm a lawyer, like I want to use whatever God has given me. To impact the world for God. And I am waking up every single day looking for God-sized opportunities. And number three, my prayer for each and every one of us is that we would get to a place where we maximize our God-sized potential. We're not just thinking about it. We're not just looking for opportunities. But we're actually pulling the trigger. We're, we're actually moving forward with something. We're actually stepping into our full potential. That's the game changer, ladies and gentlemen. Is you and me walking out our full potential. Whether that's in church, whether that's in neighborhood, whether that's at your job, whether that's at your school, whether that's at the gym, whether that's at the grocery store, that you would walk in your full potential, that you would be a fully activated Christ follower. There's a story um, of a guy that used to live in North Dallas. His name is uh, Darren Babcock. Uh, he lost his wife to cancer and um, he kind of had a downward spiral in his life, single father of two, businessman, 3,600 square foot home in Frisco. And a buddy of his asked him to come to South Dallas to volunteer doing a little Bible study with uh, prisoners who had just been re- released and trying to help them figure out how to readapt to life um, after being incarcerated. And so the first time he went, he went and volunteered um, in South Dallas, and he loved it. And he just kept returning and fell in love with uh, a community called Bonton. Bonton is a food desert. A food desert is where there is not any access to healthy food, fresh vegetables, a grocery store within three to five miles. 
So someone in that neighborhood, um, in order to get healthy food, would actually have to take a three-hour bus ride just to get healthy groceries. So if they got frozen food, by the time they got home, it, it'd be melted. So the only thing in Bonton uh, before Darren was just three beer and wine liquor stores. And they could get, you know, uh, hot and spicy Cheetos and like everything that's ho- processed foods that's horrible for for your diet. And so uh, Darren kind of had a, a come to Jesus moment, an epiphany moment, and he sells his house in Frisco and moves into Bonta. And his family's like, what in the world are, are we doing? This, this is absolutely absurd. But he just wanted to make a difference in a neighborhood. In this neighborhood, what he, he found is that they had two challenges that a lot of the men who were previously incarcerated, number one, uh, they couldn't get jobs. They didn't, they didn't have uh, job interviewing skills, but he was a successful businessman, and he said, hey, I, I, can, I can help you with that. And then the second thing that he realized is that their health was terrible, given their conditions. And so he, he bought a house, which if you sell a 3,600-square-foot home in Frisco, you can get a pretty decent house in South Dallas. You can actually almost buy the whole neighborhood if you, if you do that, all right? So especially today. Now, um, so he does this, and... Uh, Next to it, uh, first day he gets there, he gets in a fight with the guy. I mean, like, just, just, it, it, it's going terrible. The, the house didn't even have electricity the first day that he was there, okay? Like, it, it, it's going absolutely awful. It is the complete opposite of a Frisco lifestyle. And so he gets down there, and he sees that there's some, some space next to the house, and so he just makes a garden. He said, if we can't go get vegetables, I'm going to bring them here. Because it's the only way, and what would happen is, is they would actually set up, he would set up interviews. He used his connections to say, hey, I've got some people I've been working with. I would love for you to interview them. And they wouldn't even be able to make it to the interview. Because they would have to go to a dialysis appointment or they would have to go figure out something uh, with, with cardiovascular issues. They, they say that, uh, it, that the health issues in Bonton were 50% worse statistically than the city of Dallas. So, so you are 50% more likely to get cancer or have a heart attack or have diabetes just in Bonton. And he's going, I gotta do something about Bonton. I cannot believe that there's a food desert next to Dallas. So, he, he builds a garden and starts giving fresh vegetables to the neighborhood. Habitat for Humanity said, this is amazing. And they worked with the city of Dallas and they ended up giving him six more lots. So now he has a whole company called Bonton Farms and he employs people in the neighborhood and they sell honey and I actually met somebody that was selling me honey and I go what is this honey he goes let me tell you a story that's how I learned about Darren Babcock and a guy who used to be incarcerated tells me this story about how a man sold his house and changed his life and gave him an opportunity he never thought that he would have And now he goes to different companies and shares this story on behalf of Darren. I've never even met Darren. I met the guy whose life he changed. Now, here's the deal. I am not encouraging all of us to go sell our homes and move to South Dallas. (laughs) I'm not encouraging you wherever you live to go sell your home and just go. No, what I am asking you to do is to see your home as leverage for whatever God wants to do in your neighborhood. And to see your resources and to see your skill sets and to say, you know what, Lord, whatever it is that you want to do with my life, I'm in. I'm in. And if it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, hey, I'm, I'm in. Because when you're not comfortable, it's easy to say, Lord, whatever you want. But as soon as you get comfortable, you're like, Lord, whatever you want, as long as it doesn't infringe on my comfort. 
So my prayer for us is that we would be people that are stewards of whatever we've been given. So we're going to do something uh, really fun to kick off uh, this series. Uh, we're going to do it at every location. It involves some some pre-selected uh, volunteers. And so at every location, we are going to get this party started. So um, our pre-selected volunteer for this service, her name is Robin. Robin, are you here? Is there a Robin here? Robin, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Robin. Robin, I was incredibly nervous that you weren't here. And so that's why I was looking around because they told me you'd be sitting over there and I didn't see you. And so I was, they didn't tell you where to sit. Okay. You've got three kids. That's awesome. Yeah. Always like four kids, including you. That's fantastic. The the fact that you would admit that shows great humility and that's, that's just amazing. So did, did they tell you anything? They didn't did, did tell you what you were coming up here for um, to they just they just know, said an just an opportunity help, help to make people. a difference in the world. OK, so this, that's <laughs> awesome. All right. So th- this is what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen, in this uh, beautiful gold envelope um, is two hundred dollars of Chase Oaks slash God's money. And we are giving this to you. Now, here is the assignment that we're giving you with this $200. Your job is to figure out a way to multiply that for kingdom purposes. So here's how that works. You can find a single mom and you can purchase groceries. You can get creative. I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it as a God assignment to say, hey, you were given something that didn't belong to you. You were given something to just manage. Okay. And you can ask a neighbor you can ask a friend you can ask your fourth kid your husband to match it if you want to you can you can do whatever it is that you want to do with that but the goal is to make a difference in the kingdom of god so maybe someone you might get 10 people to match it and maybe that's you know two thousand dollars that goes toward something else now we're going to invite you back here in six months and you're going to tell us what happened so this could be a six-month story. This could be a six-day story. So whatever happens, that's the accountability of it. So we're going to invite you back somewhere around May, and, and we're, going, we're going to tell, tell that story. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us all to pray for Robin. And we're not just going to pray for Robin. We're going to pray for, for each and every one of us because this isn't just about money. This is about having an illustration of people at Chase Oaks that are literally on assignment. But it's not just Robin that's on assignment. We're all on assignment. So, if you don't mind, would you bow your heads and help me pray for Robin. God, I thank you so much for everything that you're doing in Robin's life. I thank you for her family. I thank you for her kids. I thank you for her husband. Um, Lord, I pray that with this $200 that there would be a divine appointment, that there would be somebody that she runs into, Lord, that you would begin to give her creative ideas on how to make the most of what she has been given. And for all of us, Lord, everything that you've given us, the capacity you've given us, the potential you've put inside of us, God, I pray that... We would be people that live activated, (laughs) that we wouldn't just be a person that hides something in the ground. But whatever it is that you've given us, Lord, may we be the kind of people that are on kingdom assignment. In Jesus name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, make some noise, Robin. Thank you so much. Absolutely.